0: Hello and welcome to the ABC Always Be Consulting podcast presented by Thomas Ryan Real Estate. Throughout this segment, I will sit down with industry professionals and really dive into their specific aspect of a real estate transaction and beyond. The ultimate goal is to inform you, the buyer or seller, so when the time comes for you to navigate the sale of a property or the purchase of a new one, you will be better informed and ultimately more comfortable throughout the process. If you have specific topics that you are interested in learning about or you have specific industry professionals you'd like me to interview, please let me know. I can be reached via email at thomasryan.kw.com or via Instagram at thomasryanrealestate. Hope you enjoy the show. hello and welcome to another episode of always be consulting Uh, i'm your host thomas ryan with thomas ryan real estate obviously want to get the message out there to um you know wish that you're safe and healthy um staying at home and safe um you know with that being said we want to bring you some information at the same time and today i have isaac camacho with accurate termite and pest control we're gonna get into the typical aspects of how a termite termite inspector comes into a real estate transaction. Also, we're gonna talk about how with COVID-19 impacting the world and our industry in specific, um, how, how they're uh, adapting with those items. So with that being said, Isaac, if you would um, kind of introduce yourself, your background, how you got into the, the business and uh, your, your specialty role within, the, within Accurate Termite and Pest Control.
1: Sure, thanks Thomas. Thanks for having me. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Isaac. I'm with Accurate Termite and Pest Control. The company has been around for about 20 years. I myself have been with the company for about 11. Uh, my background is actually in sales and marketing. Uh, I am a licensed uh, structural inspector or in my industry. It's a branch three and branch two. Um, My role at the company is to coordinate all of the marketing and sales efforts. Uh, We are involved in quite a lot of uh, escrow transactions. We do thousands of escrow transactions. Uh, That's kind of where 20 years ago when the company started, uh, it started on being a go-to termite company for escrow transactions.
0: Got it. Now, with that being said, tell me when during a real estate escrow transaction, as you call it, uh, your company or the internment inspector themselves would come in to the transaction. When would that happen?
1: Most of the time that's going to happen once an offer has been accepted. So a property has been listed and someone has made an offer and the offer has been accepted. And most of the time that's happening closer to the close of escrow. Now, it's not necessarily ideal, but that's when it's happening um and that's because a lot of times what's on a buyer's mind is not the the structural work they're not thinking so much about termites and other things they're more thinking about let's let's get the paint that i want let's get the the flooring that i want kind of stuff that's when it's happening though i wouldn't say that it's ideal to wait till the tail end of the transaction
0: yeah, so typically in my transactions, I like to have my inspector um, fr- from Accurate come out basically as soon as possible, sometimes prior to actually uh, listing the property, just so we know what we have in regards to the termite and, and pest report. Um, but yeah, at least very early into the transaction so we can address those items, negotiate them, and then you know schedule the work because I know, you know sometimes that work needs to be scheduled, materials need to be uh, gathered and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. that's exactly right, Thomas. And that's what we try to tell people. Most of our professional realtors understand that is you want to, you want to make sure that the house is healthy is what I call it. Hmm. Um, it, it, it looking good is good for you and it makes you feel good, but you want to make sure that it's healthy. You want yeah. to make sure that it's going to last.
0: Got it. Makes sense. So what exactly going along with that, what exactly is the role of the termite inspector?
1: So uh, where we're talking about a transaction, there's, a, uh, there's a, an offer that's been accepted. Then a, typically a buyer's agent uh, will contact the termite inspector. The termite inspector comes in and they look at the structure. They do a very thorough inspection. Now they're looking at anything that's wood-destroying organism, any wood-destroying organism in the house, in the structure itself. I know that we get caught in the vernacular of calling it a termite inspection sure, because most of the time in California, that's what's causing the damage is termites, but the inspectors actually looking at more than termites. They're also looking at fungus rot. Uh, they're looking at other structural problems that could be there. Any wood-destroying organism is what they're going to look at, and uh, they're going to look at anywhere there is accessible wood. They can't see in between the walls, obviously. But they'll look everywhere that uh, there can be some exposed wood. So we're talking about attics and subcrawl spaces are pretty key. Uh, that's where you can find, if there's activity, you'll be able to see it and kind of extrapolate from there. Exterior is important, fascias, eaves. Again, they'll do their best to find any kind of wood-destroying organism in what is accessible and try to make a professional opinion and extrapolate to see what the conditions of the entire structure
0: Got it. And how, about how long does that, obviously it varies, but about how long will that inspection take on a, on a property? Uh,
1: yeah, say, think, a, say a
0: single family home.
1: Yeah, a single family home on average is going to be an hour to an hour and a half. And we're talking about a house that's maybe 2,000 square feet, okay. um, 2, 2,000, square feet. It's about an hour, hour and a half.
0: Okay, got it. Uh, now, is the termite inspection required in escrow?
1: So there's no legal requirement to do it. Uh, you don't have to legally inspect it. Um, but the reason that it's done in most transactions is because before a lender appro- approves a loan, uh, they wanna know that the structure is sound. They wanna know that their their investment, because the investment is backed by the actual property. They wanna know that's not gonna fall apart and the new, the new owner's not gonna walk away, right? so they will require it as contingencies they want to know that it's sound and that it's been repaired if it needs to be repaired that it's been treated so that damage doesn't continue to grow Uh, and that's so it's not necessarily required but a lot of times your lender is going to require that you do the inspection and then that you do some perhaps all of the work that is found at the time of the inspection.
0: Got it, and what would some or all of that work entail, the treatments and or no repairs? What, what could those entail from minimal it, to, to maximum?
1: Minimal may be you have a little bit of uh, termite outside in the eaves or in the fascia, and you can locally treat it. Locally treating means you're going to drill into the wood, you're going to inject a product, uh, and then that's it. That's the minimal. Uh, At most, you have damage, that fascia, that uh, hypothetical fascia that has termite has too much damage that you Mm -hmm. can't leave it. You have to replace it or the infestation has grown into too many inaccessible areas uh, so that you can't locally treat it. So an inspector says there is so much activity in this attic that it's everywhere. It's in between the walls that I can't get to. I can't treat it. And that's when you're tenting. Uh, uh, the technical term is fumigating, but a lot of people know it as tenting. That's when you're going to have to tent to give it a blank slate for drywood termites. It's all clear. And then if they have damage, repair the damage.
0: Can you kind of explain the, the multiple day process of the um, fumigation or tenting?
1: Yeah. So tenting in California is going to be at least three days and two nights, no matter who does it. That's all the same. Uh, It's heavily regulated. It's going to be at least those uh, three days, two nights away. And in the first day, uh, they're covering the the house with a tent, right? And the science behind this is that this is an impermeable plastic. So there's not going to be any air coming in or out of it. It entraps the air inside it. And then the The termite operator or the fumigator that they're using, they're going to release a gas. So a lot of times people think that inside there's a guy with a mask doing some bombing. That's not what's happening. Right. They cover the house and then they release a fumigant uh, into the house. The most effective and most popular is called vicane gas, but there are different types of gases uh, that are available but in our case, we use vicane gas. And the vicane gas will expand and fill the space of that tent. So imagine the tent became a, a house-shaped balloon. Yeah. And the reason it's effective is because this gas at the molecular level is going to penetrate all the space inside the tent. And that's why when the tent comes down, you can guarantee it's 100% free of dry wood termite. So So the, the gas is released for somewhere around six to 12 hours on day one. On day two, we do what's called capping. We come back to the property on day two and we open the tent. Uh, we start to let some of that pressure escape on its own. And that's a, that's a, a, a about a 24 hour process. On day three, we come back and then we take the tent off. Uh, before we let a homeowner come back into the house, then an inspector, a licensee comes back in and now they're testing the air quality in the house. In California, we cannot let someone else come back until we have tested the air quality. And what they're going to do is open things like drawers and cabinets. They're not looking for your contents, they're opening them so that they can make sure that there are no pockets of fumigant left in that drawer, or that cabinet. Uh, once, once that licensee certifies that to the parts per million, there aren't any molecules left of the fumigant, you get that safe to re-enter notice on the front door and that's when the homeowners can in.
0: Perfect. Perfect. I know there's some prep as well, prior to that tent going on as well. Correct. As far as yeah, food there and is. stuff like that's,
1: that. That's right. So there is some prep work. Um, the most um, I guess uh, uh, dreaded prep work is bagging of uh, perishable food items. You have to bag all your perishable food items in bags that are provided to you by the termite operator, by the, the fumigator themselves. And you have to you have to double bag them in these special bags. Now, these bags can be anywhere; you can put your food back in the fridge or back in the freezer. But depending on how much food you accumulate, I know my family loves Costco, right? Yeah. So our pantry is always full of perishable food items. Right. Um, that's the least fun part. You do not have to do any more than that. A lot of times people think, well, I'm going to have to also bag my linens and my pillows and my toothpaste or yeah. uh, my lotions. And, and you don't um, because these, this, this gas, Viking gas leaves no residual. Uh, that used to be true in the 70s. The fumigant gases used in the 70s did leave a residual. Got it. Today, that's not true. So you, the only thing you have to do is food, if you, when you hear of people doing more than that, it's because it was their own peace of mind.
0: Sure, got it. Now, in addition to the reports and then the subsequent repairs based on those reports, what other services does Accurate offer to customers under normal circumstances?
1: Yeah, under normal circumstances, we do the local treatment at Accurate specifically, about 70% of our business is at local treatment, though we also do the fumigation with 10 Okay. um we also will offer that customer a a pest protection plan which means that we'll come back and do the maintenance so that we keep things like ants spiders and things outside and they're not bugging you on the inside so normally after you move in then uh would reach out and offer that
0: got it well now that we're in this uh stay at home order COVID 19 era Um, are termite companies still doing escrow inspections uh, during this stay-at-home order?
1: Yeah, actually, both at the national level and at the state level, local level, uh, extermination was deemed an essential service. So We're an essential service, and the, the idea behind that is that what we do maintains the safety, integrity, and health of uh, living residents, so we keep bugs out that carry diseases, and we keep termites away that won't destroy your house. So, so yes, uh, termite companies are still operating, still doing escrow inspections, and still performing that uh, monthly recurring, keeping rodents away, keeping ants away. Like that.
0: Got it. And are lenders relaxing uh, the requirements for the termite inspection and clearance reports?
1: No, I think that there's no real place to kind of track this data of whether they're being more relaxed or less. Mm-hmm. You can definitely see where before the housing crash that they were really lax on this. And then they became very strict when we came back when we were recovering from that crash. Sure. Now, I can tell you just anecdotally, it feels like they're swinging towards being strict again. And I don't know if that's because they're kind of protecting themselves against the possibility of another recession. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely not more relaxed. It feels like if anything, they're, they're wanting things to be completely on the up and up and making sure that the investments they're taking on are
0: protected. Yeah. It's kind of business as usual. I know on appraisal ends, they've talked about, you know, having um, appraisal waivers and stuff like that. That's definitely not the case in the, in the uh, wood destroying pest um, reports. Yeah. Right. Got it. Um, now, what, what precautions are these um, inspectors taking? Obviously, they're coming into people's homes and uh, walking around going in under their cabinets. You know, they got to look under sinks and they're moving the toilets, stuff like that. Um, what precautions are, are your inspectors taking when they're entering our homes to, you know, protect themselves and, and also our, our homeowners?
1: Yeah, that's an important question because you're right, they are going from house to house. Uh, now, I think it's important to note that when we were deemed an essential service, there wasn't a sort of this is how you should protect yourself. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of up to each company. So well, I can speak for what our protocol is that when we're entering a home, um, our representatives, whether it's an inspector, a licensee, a technician, they're going to wear a mask. Uh, and that is uh, either a ventilator or at the very minimum, that N95 mask. Okay. As exterminators, we already had these that we didn't have to go out and make a large purchase of these. But we're going to wear those. And that protects uh, the home from receiving any particles that our inspector might have breathed out because uh, they're going to wear that mask the whole time. They're going to wear gloves and they're going to wear booties while inside the house. That okay. way they can't leave anything behind.
0: Got it. And are you asking anything from the homeowners during this situations or are you, is there suggestions that they vacate the property, stay outside? Where are you with that?
1: Yeah, that's another great question. We are, um, we're asking to minimize the contact as much as possible, protecting both the resident and the inspector. Uh, we're happy to stick around and answer questions. We, we can, we can absolutely stick around and answer questions. we try as best as we can to respect that distance yeah um if if it's if the customer is okay with being gone while we inspect that's probably ideal right now and then we can do a follow-up call and answer any questions that way
0: got it now do you guys offer any other services as far as um you know sanitation wise disinfecting stuff like that
1: yeah and that's something that's uh an interesting development in the industry so to kind of wrap up a whole history into a little nutshell, Yeah. exterminators for the most part have what's called a QAL license. Okay. And we have been doing spot disinfection since we've been around. So if you ever had a property with rodents in the attic, which in California, if you've been around real estate, you've heard of this. Sure. Um, so we're trapping or removing whatever the case might be, but we're also disinfecting because rodents have had coronavirus for a long time decades and the idea behind exterminators trying to control an outbreak of coronavirus coronavirus in rodents is that we didn't want a situation where the virus evolved and then all of a sudden infected people well that's what we're living with now that has been brought to us mm. right so recently the state expanded our ability to do disinfection from just spot treatments in an attic where there's a rodent to doing them large scale. So that's any QAL licensee, which most exterminators are QAL licensees. In. What does that we mean? Are. What is QAL? QAL is a specific type of license that the Department of Pesticide Regulation gives out. It means that essentially you have, well, you're certified by, by the Department of Pesticide Regulation and a few other agencies to apply specific types of product in mass. You're, you're applying disinfectant, disinfectants, these products are meant to disinfect micropathogens, these germs that we can't see with the naked eye. And the reason that QAL license is important is because it means that you're, training, you're trained to understand how to do this with minimizing environmental impact and how to do this using specialized products that are designed to be used around residential areas.
0: Okay. And how does that differ um, from, from just, a you know, if I have a cleaning service come in, um, like I typically, you know, would maybe monthly or whatever it may be at my home or business or, you know, a typical janitorial service. How does, this, what's the difference there?
1: Yeah, that's another great question. And I can tell you, I've been on the end of both. Growing up, my dad had a janitorial company and I worked a couple summers with him. And I also worked in the previous lifetime as a scrub tech at Baylor in Dallas. Okay, I worked in surgery rooms. And I can tell you that hospitals do not use their janitorial staff to disinfect. It'd It'd be kind of like using the dishwasher to sterilize the surgical equipment. It's not the same thing. So uh, where a janitorial professional or sanitation professional is trained and looking at removing perceivable dust, particles, and waste. They're restoring shine. They are cleaning. And as a byproduct, it is quite possible that while someone is cleaning your counter, they may disinfect a micropathogen, a virus, a bacteria. But they, they're not necessarily targeting micropathogens. And in a disinfection by like a QAL licensee would do, they're doing the opposite. They're not looking for perceivable trash and dirt. They're not looking to restore shine to something. They're going to treat some, they're going to disinfect to eradicate something that can't be seen, a bacteria, a virus, in our case today, coronavirus. As a byproduct, they may leave the area cleaner than when it was, but that wasn't what they're going for. It's, It's quite different. Uh, both in the approach, it's also different in terms of uh, thinking of uh, when you're hiring a janitorial professional because the training isn't there, isn't always insured to work around infectious diseases. So there's there's quite a lot to consider.
0: Got it. That that makes total sense. Um, lots of information. Great information. Is there anything that um, I should have asked that that um, that I didn't? or any pointers that um, you know you think are very important under normal circumstances in the industry and uh, also specifically right now?
1: You know, I think you brought up a really good point that uh, I wish more people in the industry would adopt and that is that you, you don't wanna wait to have your inspection done towards the end of escrow. Uh, one of the biggest hurdles I think that transactions always face is communication and disclosure. So when people are waiting to the tail end of their escrow for an inspection, they're setting themselves up for a surprise, right? they are two weeks, one week to close escrow. And then all of a sudden they get a termite report and there's termites and they have to tent or they have to repair. And it's just more frustrating for everyone involved. I, I think that, that uh, what you're doing is definitely in line with what most professional realtors are doing. And I'd say, get that done as soon as possible
0: yeah absolutely and actually this brings me a good point um can you talk about how the compensation for the work that's completed um after a report's been done you know whether it's um tenting or it's actually wood repair in an escrow can you talk about how that compensation works um with an escrow transaction
1: yeah most of the time it's going to go through escrow so you, if, um, if your company is experienced in escrow transactions, which it's not hard to find one that is, um, they're going to do the inspection and, and submit the report to all the interested parties, but most importantly, escrow, because an escrow holds it, gives it to the bank. Uh, the bank then decides how much of that work they want done. Uh, and then most of the time payment is through escrow.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just taken out of your proceeds from from the sellers. Assuming that's that's who's taking care of the cost of that, which is which is typical. Um, yeah, it would be taken from your proceeds. It's not an out-of-pocket cost. Um, obviously, unless the the escrow cancels, then you know the termite company needs to be uh, compensated. But um, assuming all goes well and the 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 transaction closes. Um, yeah, escrow takes care of that compensation, goes directly to the, the pest co- company and um, it's not an out of pocket um, cost for you. I know you're worried about movers and you know all the other repairs associated with your home. It's kind of a nice aspect of the pest company to take care of those repairs for you and then get compensated on the back end. Um, so yeah, great point. Um, well, I appreciate all the information you provided. Uh, thanks for taking your time here today. Um, if you guys have any other questions, uh, reach out to me, I can put you in contact with Isaac, or you can reach out to them directly. Where can they best find you guys? Phone number, email address, social media.
1: Yeah. Um, we have quite a few videos, uh, featuring yours truly on YouTube. <laughs> we do have a YouTube channel and I have some more tips on how to navigate escrow transactions there or just general homeowner tips. Um, but, uh, our website is accurate Our phone number is ants.
0: Perfect. And serving what areas?
1: From Los Angeles down to the border.
0: Got it. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Isaac. Appreciate your time.
1: Hey, thanks, Thomas. Thanks for having yeah.
0: me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of Always Be Consulting. Until next time, have a great day. Bye.